Hey, sexy friend. He's making me his bitch. Maybe you want to get a piece of that. Pretty good. I want to talk about sexy teens. I was getting erections. It's a very creepy feeling. I can guarantee that underwear theft will come up again. None of this is relevant. Pokemon, Pokeballs. 750 milliliter bottle of rum. Welcome to the Velocity Podcast. A study in monology. This is your grumpy uncle Peter. He will say words at you. So it's a new year. And this is a weird way to start the new year, but I am going to make a proponent of cutting people out of your life as much as possible. This is the, the Marie Kondo version of dealing with people. It's your Velocipodcast inspirational message for the year. And it's not accidental. I recently had an argument on the internet. But an argument on the internet with me only lasts for about two sentences before I just stop having the argument because it's not worth my time. I've talked about time management, organization, and that's actually what the argument was about on the internet. So I gave it two sentences. I gave it like two posts before I just abandoned it completely. So that person feels like they won because they made the last statement and I didn't respond. But I didn't respond because... I did a calculation once, and it's how many hours you have in your life that are actually your own. And that seems like a weird way of looking at it, but the time you have to do what you want, to develop yourself, to be who you want to be, is actually incredibly small when you work out how many hours in your life you actually have to yourself. I think you should be kind to people as best you can, but... If you suffer as a result, then that immediately becomes a waste of your time. And your time is at an incredible premium. So I was on the internet and someone was talking about releasing podcasts and what kind of schedule they should create and should they do one episode a week or multiple episodes a week or something like that. And I said, look, I produce Ninja News Japan every week, Podcast once every two weeks, interspersed with C. McBee once every two weeks, and I do a side project for English language students. It's only about five minutes an episode. So I do like batch episodes once or twice a month. And then I just post those. I'm producing three podcasts a week and working on other side projects because I want to do as much as I can with the hours that are available to me. Now, someone else popped in and said, ah, this is a you know a bad way of thinking. You're going to burn out. And fair enough, if that's what they feel, I said, look, I think if you organize yourself properly, that workload becomes streamlined and you don't burn yourself out. I think burnout is a result of not doing what you want. I put Podcast on hiatus when we went into lockdown because of my mood, because it wasn't what I wanted to do at that time. It felt like more of a burden and became more difficult because I do want to keep the content relatively entertaining. This bit, this section is not that kind of entertaining. It's not funny. I do tend to lead towards humor, because that's what I want to do. Uh, this is not that, but this is why I'm kind of changing the format of Podcast. So the calculations I did, you have 8,736 hours a year. That's how many hours are in a year completely. 
They need to sleep. So you give yourself eight hours of sleep. Now, people will say, oh, it's, you know, I sleep less than that. People love to argue these points. I'm saying eight hours because there's actually the preparation, like taking a shower uh, before or after you wake up. There's doing other stuff that gets you to sleep. I'm doing eight hours to give sort of encompassing sleep, pre-sleep, post-sleep, getting up, that kind of stuff. That becomes 2,912 hours. Now, if you work a regular job, that's eight hours a day. That's another 2,912 hours. That is 5,824 hours already gone from your 8,736 hours a year. That leaves you with 2,912 hours a year, eight hours a day, that you can do what you want. But the problem is you can't always do what you want. My commute in total becomes basically two hours a day. That's actually pretty generous. That is 728 hours gone. So now I have 2,184 hours left. If you eat food, let's say two hours a day is spent eating food. So you're talking breakfast, lunch, and dinner, uh, this preparation, cleanup, uh, even if you go to restaurants, you are still talking about hours a day. That's another 1,456 hours gone. That's it. You are left with 1,456 hours a year to yourself. And that doesn't include any other responsibilities. So you have kids, you have pets, you have to clean up the house. That all has to come out of that remaining 1,456 hours. Now you times that by 20. That's 29,120 hours over 20 years available to you. That comes from 174,720 hours available in the 20 years. That means in a 20-year period, you only have three years to do what you want. And that is the most generous calculation of that I can make. Because anything else you need to do, getting a haircut, going shopping, doing taxes, and arguing on the internet comes out of that final three-year period. So you can look at parts of your life, the first 20 years. The first 20 years, you don't get to do what you want. You have to go to school and stuff. The next 20 years, 20 to 40, you're probably working. Now, the next one, 40 to 60, you are sort of hitting the twilight of your life, which is where I am right now. Because uh, after 60 to 80, you might actually be spending a lot of that time not working, but then trying to take care of your health, trying to survive in some other way. Who knows if pensions and stuff really work out when I hit retirement age. That's actually one of the bigger concerns that I have. So here I am with the problem. 20 to 40 is your active life. And within that 20 to 40, you have three years to develop yourself, do the things you want to do and create the life you want to create to be who you want to be and be happy. Three years out of 20 years is not a lot of time. How much time do you want to dedicate to people who are toxic in your life? People who are arguing with you on the internet. People who have engaged with me on the internet, I walk away very quickly because it's a waste of my time. Those hours are precious to me. Now, I do spend those hours making podcasts and stuff like that. But is that a bad thing? Eh, it might be, to be honest. But it's what I want to do. And that's how I want to spend those three years is doing the things I want to do and arguing with people on the internet. This is one of the reasons I'm really bad at social media and networking is because that's not where I want to spend that time. Networking would probably be really beneficial for me. I could probably find other avenues, maybe even change jobs, uh, grow the podcast more effectively. I could do a lot of things like that 
with those three years, but because I despise those kind of interactions and I'm not good at them and I look at my life this way, I would rather spend that time doing the things, basically creating stuff. I'm not telling you how to live your life, but it is something to take some time and look at how many hours of your life are actually your own. Because those eight hours a day you sleep, that's gone. That eight hours a day you work, that's gone. Those aren't your hours anymore. The hours you have that remain are those 1,456 hours a year, that 29,000 hours over 20 years, which only works out to three years you have to yourself. So in one year, you only have 60 days to do what you want to do, to create what you want to create. And spending any amount of those 60 days of the year doing anything you don't want to do, is to me one of the reasons that you try to surround yourself with the few people who are going to make you happy. So the Marie Kondo thing here is right. Do not spend your time arguing. If someone frustrates you, honestly, just don't argue with them. Get rid of them. Don't respond to them. They will, if they're the narcissistic type, try to draw you back in. That's their technique to validate themselves. But every time you allow them back into your life, that validation becomes stronger they have control of your 60 days that are left of this year. So I'm actually more than happy for people to think that they beat me in an argument on the internet because I know what they're going to do is go out and start arguing more because that's some kind of weird validation they get. Like if they get the last word in, I won that argument, you know, I'm doing better. I might even gift that to them. If you feel like you've won the argument and that makes you feel good, that's actually worth doing because I don't have to have the argument and you feel better about your life. But the path that person goes on is not the path I want to see. It's not how I want to spend my time when I sit down and look at how little time I actually have to myself in my life. And that is your Velocipodcast version of an inspirational message. Calculate how many hours you have in your life left to try to get you to not spend your time arguing with people on the internet or arguing with people in your life. (laughs) Which is not going to work at all. That's horrible. Here's the thought of the day. It's, it's, It's something I dropped away from, the thought of the day, is the ones that are so super short. They're like like the one minute things. Sorry, I lost my page. And it's something we don't talk about. We talk about premarital sex in society. We don't talk about postmarital sex because it's boring. It's the reason that the stepbrother, stepsister thing has become part of modern pornography parlance to the point where it's now actually parodied in other stuff. That's because uh, it's a taboo that's broken. It's not incest. It's acceptable incest. But because you're even stepbrother, stepsister, you're not supposed to be doing it. So there's an extra taboo that's been laid on top of the pornography that you're actually watching. But... Post-marital sex actually means God is blessing the union. So God who sees all, he's like, yeah, buddy, get it in there. Which is weird. And maybe why married sex often drops off. Because the idea that everything you're doing is perfectly acceptable, that God has blessed this, that he's watching you do it and kind of egging you on, that's actually a bit of a turnoff. It might be the reason why married people have less sex than single people because it kind of takes the fun out of it. 
I was having a conversation with someone about what people should learn in school. They'd heard a previous episode, I think, where I talked about what people should learn in school. And I've actually revamped my opinion of what people should study in school. Finances. Everyone should learn about basic finances, and I think that should be the obligation of education. I actually agree with that. Now we've gotten to a point where like internet and technology should be part of the school curriculum at a very young age. Now, it doesn't have to be deep. I'm not talking about like programming, computers, or coding, or things like that, but having a fundamental understanding of internet and technology seems to be important. Like basic troubleshooting of a cell phone, I actually think should now be part of school because getting your devices to work is really important in understanding what happens to them and how they break is also important. But having said that, there's actually a thing we could teach that would do away with the need for an actual curriculum. And it actually comes down to three basic things. What should people study in school? The main class should be how to study. It's ironic that the one thing we tell students to do all the time is the one thing that hardly anyone spends any time teaching them to do. You learn some math in school, and then they go home and they say, study that. But they don't tell you how to study. Should you write out the formula multiple times? Should you do different formulas? Should you do like exercise sheets? Should I just do that once and then put it away? Should I do it multiple times? Does that work for me? Maybe it works for me, but it doesn't work for someone else. The thing we do not spend any time teaching students, the one thing we don't teach people is how to study. All other courses could be brought down to just a version of what are the fundamentals of this concept, and then the students, if they knew how to study, could go off and learn how to study on their own and teach themselves. This comes with two other things. Now, the first one, which I consider very important, is time management. So how do you spend your time? How do you set up your study environment? How do you make sure that you... Some people study better with music in the background. Some people need complete silence. That is a personality issue, and you need to understand that for yourself, but that would be part of the how-to study course. Let's actually study with sound on, how do you perform? Let's study with complete silence, how do you perform? Now you understand the conditions that will leave you to the best results when you go to study. When you use the techniques you've learned in your main class, which is now a how to study class. Since we're talking about kids, I'm old, so I don't need this anymore. Well, I actually probably do, but now it would be called therapy. But since they're in school, developing children growing up, they actually need a course in how to deal with emotions. Because if you master these three things, how to deal with your emotions and understand them, how to manage your own time, and how to study properly and effectively, there is actually no real reason for us to have to teach people anything else because you give them time, they will take that time, study what they need to study, study it effectively, they will understand how they feel in a moment, they'll understand like, oh, I'm frustrated right now, this is how I need to deal with that. Oh, you know, maybe I'm hormonal. I now actually know what that is and how to deal with it. There's no real need anymore to teach them math, literature, science, because they could go off and teach it to themselves because we've given them the tools to do it effectively. I do think 
Finances should be available. Internet and technology stuff should be available. These basic troubleshooting things, that's actually necessary. It would be valuable to learn how to recognize good information, but that's really just teaching them the scientific method. One of the things you need to do is remove the stigma of failure and failed experiments. So I tried to do this and it didn't work out, and then everyone laughs at you because you failed at something. That's ineffective and counter to actual successfully learning something in the future because the failure is where you learn because you need to go back and look at what did I do wrong? What did not work out? Why did it not work out? Was it me? Was it a condition outside of my control? That is when we are starting to reach the pinnacle of actual education because you're teaching people how to teach themselves. If we do that successfully, there doesn't need to be any sort of mainline course anymore. People would start to learn stuff they need to learn as they need to learn it. Then you have a more informed population at large. You have people who know how to interact with each other. They have people who realize what they do and do not know. They can manage their time to learn the skills they need that they do not know. They can deal with the emotions of failure and success. And now we have built a new society at large. Education. There was a video I watched on the internet, and it was talking about how technology has changed in the last hundred years, how transportation has changed in the last hundred years, how television and media have changed in the last hundred years, how the internet has come about and changed everything over the last like 20 years. But there has been no significant change in how we educate people in the same time period. In the last 100 years, 200 years, school looks almost identical. And that shows a fundamental failure in the nature of education. And that, to me, is a failure on our part as a society because education is not supported in most countries. And they're not looking at new ways to educate. This is the way I was taught stuff. It's the way you should be taught stuff. That's actually one of the most dangerous things that this system of education that I'm talking about would get rid of. Because how I learned it doesn't mean it was the best way to learn. I actually believe a lot of my education was wasted because I never learned how to study properly. Because I couldn't study on my own, I struggled, I did things ineffectively, which meant I didn't retain the information I needed to retain, I didn't learn how to get the information in the first place. So that is where education as a whole failed me. There is no reason for that failure to continue. Different people learn in different ways. That is something that education in its modern form does not account for. So what should we study in school? Yeah, I actually agree with finances, technology, all this other stuff to a degree. But the main thing we should study is how to study, how to manage your time, and how to deal with emotions. Because those are the three things that I think most students are not given to them. They don't have those tools, and that's where most of the failures come from. The loss of 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 podcast. The loss of podcast. Hey, sexy friend. He's making me his bitch. Thank you for listening. You can find the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Acast, or go to velocipeter.com slash podcast, sexy out homies. And working on other side projects. Okay, Dave.